Thank you for checking out the Christian Faith Center podcast. If this is your first time, we want you to know that you will not be met with shame, guilt, or condemnation. No matter what you've been through or what questions you might have, Christian Faith Center is a church where you will find the grace, mercy, and forgiveness Jesus gives to everyone. Our goal is to love people to life. So, this morning, it's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, all the moms and all of you waiting to be moms. Remember, God's faithful in his promises. And those of you without your moms, just know that you are loved, right? I just think of it. This day can be so special and so hard at the same time. And we're all in this thing called life together. And just know that you are loved. So this morning I want to recognize some gift cards for some moms. First I want the mom of the youngest baby. I'm pretty sure that's Ashley. But can anybody beat like a week? Because <laughs> if not, that's Ashley. <laughs> And then let's do the mom that's had the most natural children, not through adoption or family or marriage or anything, but you have actually given birth to the most children. So (laughs) uh, let's start with five. Anybody have five kiddos? Five kiddos? (laughs) Cindy's mom (laughs) has got five kiddos. We've got a couple. Okay, anybody has six? Six? Okay, can you be, anybody beat six? Seven? Seven? Can you, eight? Nine? Okay, do we just have one eight? She wins. Man, God bless her. Man, I only have one, you guys, and, and I think I already have gray hair, and she's only eight. God bless you. I'm sure he will say, "Good, well done, good and faithful servant. You, you have eight babies, and it's been well done. <laughs> Man, isn't that amazing, you guys? You look, and culturally, I think women my age, I wouldn't even dream of having eight babies, right? I'm like, one, and I'm like, wow, how did my grandma with three do it? And I'm like, wow, how did my son-in-law's parents with six do it? Like, I don't know how you guys do it. I love it, but I don't need any more. But that's a perfect example of what we're talking about today. Because never before in history, since the days of Genesis, when people lived to be like seven, eight, nine hundred years old, have there been more generations living at one time in history. You see, the mortality rate has dropped by 59%. The medium age has gone up by 10 years. And as you get of this and all the generations, we're seeing this cultural divide. You can see it on the news. You can see it on social media. You can see it in how we raise kids and how we don't raise kids and how many kids we have. You guys, it's just, there's so many cultures that are different. I sit there and I think of my grandma who lived at the end of the Depression, right? And then what my grandpa that served in World War II, and they went without, and they, you know, they lost, they lost everything. And then I look at my daughter who has everything instantly, like, doesn't have to wait for anything. And then, you know, there's me, and I, I remember dial-up, but I'm pretty used to, like, cable, <laughs> internet, you know? And I just think, wow, we are, we're so different, right? We, there's so many generations met, represented. And I sit there and go, how sad is it 
that though there's so many of us and there's so many ways to connect, we are so isolated and so alone. And these differences are making it difficult for generations to impart their wisdom on us and to pass down legacy. And it's just sad because I'm like, there's so much more there. And it's so important that we pass those things down. And I just sit there and think, man, never before had the words found in Titus 2 been so important as they are today. And if you read Titus 2, 1 through 5, it says, as for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that for Uh, reflects wholesome teaching. Teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect, and to live wisely. They must have a sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train up the younger women. You guys, Do you recognize this is one of the few mandates in the Bible? Older women, you are to train up. It doesn't matter if you have your own children or not. Do you know there is not one example in the Bible where it's a natural mother and daughter relationship? So you're not off the hook just because you don't have babies. And men, you aren't on the hook hook either because it starts with you, right? But... These women are supposed to be training the younger women that we would be wise and that we would be good and that we would be respectful and pure and that we would be submissive to our husbands. And that doesn't mean what our culture thinks it means today. So I'm just saying that, right? Because when we do these things, we will not bring shame to the word of God. Today we're going to be looking at the story of Ruth and Naomi from the perspective of an older and younger woman. And in doing so, I get the privilege and honor of preaching with my mama today. So I'd like to invite her up on stage. As they move tables and chairs, I just want to take a minute to pray. Father God, I pray that we would get out of your way, Lord, that you would use us powerfully and that you would speak to your people, God. They're not, they're not here to listen to our stories, Lord, but they're here to learn your will and your way for their life, God. And I just ask that you would move in us and through us and just bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So, like I said, we're going to be talking about the story of Ruth and Naomi. You guys, it's one of the shortest uh, books in the Bible. It's four short chapters. You can listen to the whole thing on your Bible app in less than 15 minutes. I know because I did it. (laughs) But it's, it's just like crazy short. But it's super powerful. And it's just full of practical things. You know, we think that... As, believe, as Christians, we know that God moves in the supernatural and he performs these miracles and everything. But this is a perfect example of even when miracles aren't seen, God's hand is moving in the midst of every situation. So I want to just challenge you all. This is super practical and awesome. So 
We're going to start. I'm just going to summarize because I don't need to read the whole book of Ruth to you. That would be kind of boring. So in Ruth 1 through 13, to lay the backdrop, Ruth and her family have gone to Moab. And since then, Ruth's husband has died. Her son has married two Moab women. And then her, they were married for 10 years, never no kids, and her sons died. And so Ruth is in a foreign land, no husband, no sons, and this is like in the days of judges, and it's just evil is rampant, and the world is a mess. And there, you know, that day widows, you, you know, your sons took care of you, or nobody took care of you. So she's kind of in this state of despair, and she decides that she's going to go back home to her homeland of Judah because she hears that God's been blessing the people there. And she sets off on the journey with her daughter-in-laws at first. And then she stops because she sits and she's thinking, I have nothing to offer these two 20-year-old women. So she prays for them. She says, go home to your parents and may God bless you. And may you, you find new husbands and may they take care of you. Go home. Go home. Right? And then that's where we're going to pick up. And we'll actually read Ruth 1, 14 through 18. Okay. And again, they wept together. And Oprah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. Now, that's a commitment. That's our first point, by the way, but that is a commitment. She, they loved each other. I, I'm like, wow, what a statement. I'd even say that's a, that's a vow. That's strong words. We know that even though Naomi felt ill-equipped, Naomi was an example to Ruth to listen to listen as you listen to what Ruth says your God will be my God again I say wow I want people to look at me and think I want to know who her God is he's real he's alive he's powerful I want to live my life to that extreme, and to that example, to the people around me. It's just, and I think, I'm looking at some of you, and I know you feel the same way. Even though we've blown it from time to time, you still want to be that example. I experienced that as a small child with one of my aunts. When they came to visit and they would pray, I would think, there's, there's something powerful here. I knew there was something different in her, her and my uncle's lives. And, uh, and Naomi had that place in Ruth's heart. There was a bond, a love that continued to grow over time spent with one another. We looked up the definition of commitment, and it's the state or quality 
of being dedicated to a cause. Although their commitment may have started the day Ruth married um, Naomi's son, in order to leave everything, there had to be something stronger, a love. She saw things in Naomi that she wanted to, to follow. Yeah, you guys, like I said before, there's no, like, it, this might be my mom up here, but there's no biblical example of that, that because a mother-daughter relationship can, can be a difficult one, but at the same time, as women, we are responsible for other women. We're responsible for each other. This is a mandate, you guys. This is, a, this is not an option. If you are not doing this, you are not doing God's work. If we're being honest, you are not pouring in to the people he, he wants to raise up. You're not equipping the people. He uses relationships to do those things. But, guys, you're not off the hook either because the Bible tells us we're to carry each other's burdens. Right? And if, if we're not able to share and open up, then we're not able to carry each other. I just sit and think, Wow. Naomi thought she had nothing left to offer. Nothing. And I'm like, how many of you out there today, young or old, I've, I've sat there and been like, God, I don't have anything to offer. Here, I, I, I'm supposed to be the younger woman. I'm supposed to be the Ruth, you know. But I still sit here and go, I don't, ha- I don't have anything to offer. I don't have value. I don't, I don't have worth. I don't have anything worth listening to. But you see, Naomi saw something in Ruth saw something in Naomi, and she was willing. Like I said, in that day, Naomi would have been considered a burden, if we're being honest. She had nothing. She had nobody to take care of her. She basically had to live off of the land and off of charity and handouts. But Ruth was willing to walk away from everything she knew and attach herself to somebody that had nothing, you guys, because she saw something different in her. So even when you feel like you have nothing, know that there is still something in you that makes all the difference in the world. Naomi was pushing Ruth away, and Ruth wouldn't let her. She stayed committed to her. She said, no, I, I want what you have. I want your God to be my, my God. I want to be your daughter. You might not be my mother, but I want to be your daughter. I think as older women, we need to value the lessons that we have learned in life, the experiences that we have, the victories, and the mistakes. We need to be transparent. We need to be vulnerable. The younger generation needs to know and see the real me, the real you, and experience our real God. I found something really interesting about the book of Ruth. Two-thirds of it is dialogue, with words coming off the lips of the characters. What does that tell us about the book, you guys? It tells us it's a book of relationship. Admits tough times and crisis. It's a study of how to respond into hardship. If you, if you read the book of Ruth, it literally tells you what to do when the world is falling around you and you have nothing. Like, it is an example of how important relationships are to God and how important they need to be to us. As Christians, when we're new to the faith, or even no matter how long we've been Christians, you guys, regardless if it's your first time in the chairs or you're sitting up here speaking, 
We are trying to grow our faith. I'm no different than you guys. I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to become who God is calling me to be and what the things he has in, for, in front of me are. And in order to do that, we have to be committed to God and we have to ha- have people that we're committed to doing life with, people that are willing to pursue us and willing to challenge us and willing to change us, willing to tell us we're wrong with love, hopefully, you guys. We have to be, we have to have willing people that see something in us that we don't even see in ourselves and are willing to do the work to pour it out of us so that we can walk into the destiny that God has for us. You know, in the first cha- this first chapter of Ruth, Naomi offers the first of many prayers in this book. And by the end of the book, every single prayer that somebody prays has been answered. But the most interesting thing about each and every one of those prayers, the people weren't praying it on their behalf. They weren't praying, it's not me, Lord, God bless me. Every prayer in there was, Lord, provide for them. Lord, you know, take care of them. Lord, do this. And that tells us how important it is to have people who are praying on our behalfs. That tells us that my prayers for you are more powerful than your prayers for you because they're selfless. And your prayers for me are going to move more mountains in my life than I can pray for myself ever because it's not me seeking my will. It's you saying, God, have your way in her. So I want to encourage each of you this morning. I'm not saying it's not okay to pray for your, yourself, but pray for your family. Pray for your children. Pray for your grandchildren because those are the prayers that move God's ears. Pray for the person sitting next to you because if you pray for the person sitting next to you and they're praying for you, the things they're praying are going to be so much more powerful than the things you could pray for yourself because what they're going to see in you is going to be so much greater than what you see in yourself, you guys. But the most important thing is that we remember when we're committed to God and committed to people, we have to be authentic and we have to be genuine and we have to be real, you guys, because nobody wants the fake me. Because if I, if I present what I think you want, you're probably not going to like it and I'm really not going to be fulfilled because I'm going to be trying to please you and not trying to please God. So trust me, when you are committed to somebody and you are real, that is when breakthrough happens and that's when God changes everything. Our second point this morning is the consent. You see, Ruth recognized the value of what Naomi had to offer. Naomi's perception of herself was that she had nothing. That was not Ruth's perception. Older ladies, I want to tell you, Us younger women, we don't care if you've been divorced. We don't care if you've lost children. We don't care where where and how you have fallen short of the glory of God. We care that you made it through it. I don't care. I don't care what your stuff is. It gives me hope that regardless of what my stuff is, God is still faithful, and he loves me, and he's going to redeem me. Because that's what we need to know, you guys. We all know life is rough. Stop. I, I, I plead to you and to myself. I, 
you know, when Eric and I started walking in ministry, I felt like God gave each of us a word, and they go together really well. It was to be transparent and vulnerable. Transparency and vulnerability is what changes generations. It's what changes lives, you guys. It's what makes life worth living in relationships worth having. And God told me that I didn't have to trust people when I was being transparent or vulnerable. I had to trust him. So stop being afraid that if you let us in, we'll judge you and know that God will cover you and you will change us forever because of your willingness to share with us. Amen? So with that being said, ladies, we need to have an open heart and a willingness to pour into these younger women. It is not always automatic. really isn't. All of us are busy. We're, we're living our lives, and uh, we need to stop and, and listen. Slow down a little bit. Naomi was in her late 40s with little hope of bearing another child, a widow. Naomi's plight was obvious and dire. Most widows in her situation were usually destined of a life of hard labor, labor and starvation. This was a time in history with the judges that was really off, and it, uh, it was basically every man for yourself. Naomi was in fear, grief, and depression, and she thought her time for anything good was up. She sure, certainly couldn't offer anything to two 20-year-olds with their lives ahead of them. Have you ever felt that way? Have you thought, I have nothing to offer because of wherever you currently are now? You know, you've raised your kids, you've, done, you've, you've had your careers, or you're still there, and you're just kind of hanging on. You've done your stint in the nursery or children's ministry or whatever else, and you're kind of just coasting along. What more can you do? Who wants to hear your wisdom and your values? Ladies, that's a lie. There's so much value in each one of you. And like Naomi, we have a choice to give consent to the lie or consent to taking a younger woman along with us on our journey. What Naomi didn't realize, and so many of us fail to at times, is her life experiences through her trials, life in foreign places, the death of her husband and sons, caused her faith to rise up and endure and her faith was unshaken. And I really can look at a lot of you and know that's who I see in so many of you women in this church. I see it every day. Yes, her, her grief was clouded. Her per, per, perspective of God's character for a mo, moment. But she did not walk away. And she trusted him. How many of us have felt like we couldn't go on? I know there's times. 
Doesn't matter. I don't think it matters if we're young or old. I think we've all been in a situation where we've been at the end of ourselves and got, said, God, I can't go on. I can't make it through this. That's why those relationships are so important because, you know, when we can't see past the situation and we see no hope, when we have people that are committed to us and that we've consented to do life with, they grab a hold of us and they change our lives, you guys. What I love so much about Naomi and what I admire in my mother and some of the other women that speak life into me is their willingness to be that vulnerable. Their willingness to know, let their failures and their needs be known. You guys, if you don't let your needs be known, nobody can meet them. Right? You sit here, bro- I remember sitting in church, not this church, but sitting in a church seat, crying out to God, saying, do you see me? Sitting there just crying. Have you forsaken me? Have you walked away from me? Do you see me? I didn't have the boldness to go ask for prayer. I didn't have the, I couldn't get out of my chair. I just sat there saying, God, do you see me? And I cried and I cried and I cried. Not one person walked up to me, you guys. I left feeling like God had abandoned me. I don't want that to be said of anybody. We have to give that consent And we have to have those people, those relationships, so that we're never in a chair feeling alone in the first place. Because we have people that are rallied behind us and supporting us and doing life with us. Naomi and Ruth didn't just meet once a week. They lived together and they changed each other's lives. When we're honest and vulnerable with each other, that is where all the hope and all the healing can begin, you guys. Because if we're, if we're honest and vulnerable, there's not one of us in this room that some part of our life isn't a disaster. It's broken. Whether it's our finances, whether it's our house, whether it's our children, whether it's our marriage, there's, there's something. Whether it's our relationship with a family member or a friend, there is something in our life that is shattered and that we're ashamed of how it's turned out. We're, we're embarrassed by it. We're broken by it. There's something in each and every one of our lives that we wouldn't want to share with anybody else. But in that willingness to share, that's where we can find hope, and that's where we can find healing, and that's where we can find relationship. You guys, I'm not saying you have to get up here on the pulpit and share it with everybody in the room, but I'm saying you have to have somebody that you can tell those things to. You have to have a Naomi. You have to have a Paul. You have to have somebody that you can just lay it all out there and they help pick up the pieces and restore you. Because if you don't, we just stay broken and broken things don't hold water. They're not very useful. But when, when we're restored, then we become that jug that can pour into other people again. And those cracks... Well, I I heard this story about someone, I'm going to summarize the story, but basically this lady had to walk to the well and get water, and she would walk back, there was two women, and one would walk back, and she'd have all the water to water her, do her stuff, and the other woman, her jug had a hole in it, and so she would walk back, and she wouldn't have much left, and she'd have to go back and forth, but what happened on this path because of this broken jug, was that these beautiful flowers 
were watered and rose up. Let the holes in your life water on their people, ladies. Amen? Don't, don't try to plug them. Let God heal them and then be used to water on their people's stuff. I like that. <laughs> Who knew? It's not in the notes. <laughs> she didn't share that for service. <laughs> oh, ladies, the younger generation needs to hear our stories of how we trusted and endured in dark times and because of his faithfulness. But we do. We really have to be willing to, to share and so many of us want to hide. We, we build walls, and we want to hide behind them. They need to learn how to endure and lean into God even more. But we have to share, and we have to teach. Older ladies, younger women, are look, they're not looking for perfection or a life free of struggles. They want to see behind the curtain and under the rug. They want to see the real, real you. They want to see our triumphs and our failures, regardless of all the stuff that's around them. The question that I have for you is, will you let the younger generation get close enough to see the authentic, the real you? And this is where I would say, pay attention to your spirit. Listen. When you're around other women, how do you feel? How does your spirit respond? You know, I know that there's, there's certain people I get around and my spirit kind of leaps. It's a little excited. It's happy to see that person. I feel peace. I feel joy. Begin to ask the, the Holy Spirit who it is that you need to pour into. Begin to pray for that person. And begin to step out, really step out. And I shared earlier that um, Rochelle and I both talked about there's never really been anybody that's mentored us, and yet we've done a lot of mentoring ourselves. But I, I had a, a woman not too, too long ago after I'd gone through my divorce, and I was feeling kind of like this, pretty useless, like, wow, God, I must have missed the mark you know, what's, what is my destiny? Where was my ministry? Was I on the right path? And she started to give me a call. Hey, Sharon, what are you doing today? And it just really pressing in, in a place of saying, what are you hearing from God? What are you doing? What's going on in your life? She really pushed. And Rochelle had asked me to be on the prayer team. And I said, why? Because I'm your mother? And she said, no, because it's where you're called to be. And uh, I said, no, because I thought, we're starting a new church here. People don't know me. They're just going to think, you've got your mom up here. And, uh, and yet, the church I came from, that very same week, they'd had asked me to be on the prayer team too. And I said, well, no, I'm going to kind of move on over here. And... Uh, so, but, you know, here's stubborn old me with my heels in the ground. No, I'm not going to do that. And then, uh, woe and behold, Karen Johnson comes along and says, come up and pray with me today. I need you. And uh, she started really pulling some gems out that I had stuff, stuffed down because I was, I was listening to those lies. And I was feeling really beaten up. 
and I thought, you know, I can't, I can't do this ministry stuff anymore. And uh, I didn't even realize she was mentoring me. She was pulling me along when I was in some muddy waters. And uh, Rochelle and I had gone through quite a st- bit of stuff prior to that. And uh, it was ugly. <laughs> right? Life can be ugly, you guys. But that's the thing. You have to be willing to consent to mentorship. You have to be willing to consent to authentic relationships. It, it doesn't matter how, you know what, if Naomi would have poured and poured and poured and poured and Ruth didn't consent, nothing would have changed. There wouldn't have been anything there. You know, I was kind of actually a little convicted between services after sharing that I had never had a true mentor because God said, well, did you ever accept it? Did you ever consent? And I look back and I went, wow, God, there were people that tried, but I was too ignorant to even recognize it. I I wouldn't go to church with my parents in high school for reasons I'm not going to share, but the pastor paid me to give his daughter horseback riding lessons, and him and his wife would let me house sit for them, and, and I'm like, wow, God, she tried. She tried to reach out and extend her hand when I was struggling, and I didn't consent. I didn't respond. Because how much pain could I have saved myself if I was willing to consent? Younger women, when those ladies ask, can I, I'm, when they tell you, I'm here for you. Do you need anything? Let me support you through this. Because I've done it. I've, done, I've, I've reached out to many women. And I see where, like me, they think there, something inside of them says, I can do this alone. Ladies, save yourself the suffering. Learn from somebody else's mistake. Consent to their willingness to pour their energy and their lives into you. Because, you guys, when I say that, when my mom says that, when any one of you that mentor in here, you don't offer to mentor or pour into somebody just for the sake of doing it. It can be exhausting. You do it because you see something in them and you want to help them. You want to bring the destiny that God has for them out of them. Younger women, consent. Let these older ladies pour into the, us. Let them change our lives. Let them, because if they change our lives, they're going to change our family and it will change our world. Everyone benefits in these healthy relationships. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Where are we? Oh, I, it's the next point. <laughs> you, you, no. fin- you finished that one up good. Yeah, oh. I had to summarize it. <laughs> so mad. So next is the clasp. Ruth 2, 17 through 23 says, So Ruth gathered barley. Here we're we're back in Judah, and these women have nothing. So Ruth is out gathering barley there all day. And when she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket. She carried it back into town and showed her mother-in-law. Ruth also gave her the roasted grain that was left over from her mill. Where did you gather all of this grain today, Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who has helped us, helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose field she had been worked. She said, the man I work with today's name is Boaz. 
May the Lord bless him. Naomi told her the man was one of the closest relatives, one of their family redeemers. Then Ruth said, my, my tablet is doing all kinds of crazy things. What's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is completed. Good, Naomi exclaimed. Do as he said. May you... Wow, it keeps going. My like, daughter. Hey, you want to finish it so I can get my phone? My daughter, stay, stay with this young woman right through the whole harvest. You might be harassed in other fields, but you'll be safe with him. So, so Ruth worked alongside the women in Boaz's fields and gathered grain with them until the end of the barley harvest. Then she continued working with them through the wheat harvest in early summer, and all the while she lived with her mother-in-law. Funny, you guys, I, I grabbed my phone on the way up here because I had a feeling that was going to happen for some reason. But it's awesome because, you see, mentorship is great, formal mentorship of, like, here's a book, read it, take notes, and we'll talk about it. That's awesome, have knocking that. But their relationship and the relationships God has called us to have are so much more than that. They did life together. Naomi poured everything she had into Ruth. She, every ounce of wisdom, every ounce of faith. It wasn't just Sunday. It wasn't just Monday. It was every single day. It was, my daughter, this is what you do next. This is what you do next. And, and Ruth consented. She listened. You guys, if you read the book of Ruth, some of the things Naomi tells Ruth to do are absurd. You're like, for real? Why would I do that? But Ruth did them. She consented. She took the advice of Naomi because she knew that Naomi was safe. So she willingly participated in following Naomi. You see, Ruth, could, as a Moab woman, a lot of them were prostitutes. They dated. They lived with other men. They, ran, they did whatever they want, wanted. But Ruth left all of her old ways and took up the customs and the ways of Naomi and her people. She stayed faithful, and she worshiped, worked, and waited for God to move, you guys. That's what she that She listened, and she waited. She accepted everything that Naomi imparted on her. And she clasped to Naomi and did life with her. Guys, if you don't have somebody, find somebody to clasp to that will do life with you. At times we hear people talk about purpose and destiny, but they seem like abstract terms meant for more important people. But you need to understand something. You are not here by accident. The Spirit has drawn you here today. Your life has meaning, and it has purpose. But just as, as true is your purpose and destiny are oftentimes tied to other people around us and under our influence. No woman is an island. God intended us to be in intimate relationships with him and with each other. I often say the Lord is in the business of family, and restoration and forgiveness. I mean, it's, it's hit right up his alley. It's his business. What did he uh, send his son here to do? Yeah. You know, there was a real purpose. So when Naomi and Ruth went, they left for Bethlehem during the harvest season. They literally and figuratively clasped their hands and their hearts together, tying their destinies together. How do we live out God's purposes? 
How do we discover our destiny? You know the reason you're really here, the reason you're still breathing. Discover who we are and who we should have covenant relationships with and spend the time, energy, risk, and long-suffering needed to maintain these relationships for the long haul. And I'd even add relationships like this, like Rochelle and I. It's, it, hasn't, it hasn't always been easy. There's been, we were close, real close as she grew up. And then we started to have some battles. Yeah. You guys, you know, I, I tease about being able to walk in things I can walk in today because of the knowledge my mom imparted to me and some other women. But the thing, like, when I asked her, she was like, you want me to do what with you? She's like, and she jokes about, you've already surpassed me. Right? But that's, and whether I have or haven't is irrelevant. God might be using me in a different capacity. But what I'm saying is, that's the attitude we have to have. When I pour into somebody, I want them to surpass me. I don't want them to go to the hardship and the struggle and the things I, want, I went through. I want them to learn from my mistakes, and I want them to surpass me. Because the faster they surpass me, the faster they walk in the will that God has for them. The faster that their destiny comes to foreseen, you guys. The faster that the world is changed. And it's changed through that impartation of knowledge. Like the... When we were talking, when I was talking with Pastor Kelly and Amanda and Heidi, that was the word that God gave me for this whole message. Impart onto my people. Impart, mothers, daughters, husbands, wife, impart. Impart what you have learned. Impart your experience. Impart your life. The way Elijah did on Elisha. Right? Look at what he got to walk in. Look at how great he, look at what changed when that impartation taken place. That is what we need today. I, I, I need to do better than her. And Peyton needs to do better than me. You know this morning, Peyton's with my mom. And this is, she shares with me. And they're walking out the hall and Peyton stops and she turns and she goes, Nana, you and my mom are going to speak the word of God today. She just goes on, right? She just, I don't even know. She kind of shared. And my mom goes, where did you get that? And she goes, I don't know. Because God spoke through her. Because that's the example that we have set for her. That God is going to use her in a powerful way. You guys, if God can use an eight-year-old, he wants to use you. And I want her to be used more mightily than I ever have been. Man, if she can do it at eight, it took, I'm 33 and I still don't want to do it. She's eight and she willingly says... Blue. God, God used to be. She doesn't know what she said because it wasn't even her. She just let God use her as a vessel. When you impart your knowledge on these women, it's the sooner you do it, the sooner God can use them as a vessel. Same goes for you, men. The sooner you humble yourselves and receive from other men, God can use you in a powerful way and you can be greater than them. Don't let your pride get in the way. I said to her, you remember this day, little one. And I said, that's a good word. I said, 
to my granddaughter, that's a good word. I receive that from an eight-year-old because you know what? I've never done this before. First time for me. But I'm being obedient to what the Lord asked me to do. And I figured, you guys are a safe place. You're my family here. If I get up here and fall on my face, you're the people I'm with every week. You're the people who love me. You're the people that I'm, I'm doing life with. So I'm up here today because I'm being obedient. And I looked at Peyton and I said, you remember this day. You remember what you told your nanny because this is your legacy too, passing it on to you. And I, I will say, I've had a pretty heavy mantle set on us. I, my aunt that was that person in my life that I looked at and said, there's something different about her. There's something. When she prayed for me, I knew there was a God. And I knew there was power in the steps she walked. She uh, started the prison ministries for a glow and spoke internationally. And so there is a heritage. And I told, Nate, I told Peyton that this morning. I said, you remember this day. Because, you know, there are times when you feel like I wasted it, God. And I, when Rochelle got up here last year and preached, and when Eric and Rochelle are up here, I think, God, the things you didn't do in me that I was too afraid to do. I may have known and felt the tug and the call but I was afraid to step out. I see that being fulfilled in my daughter and my son-in-law and in my granddaughter. So, guys, ask God to forgive you for the places that you haven't stepped in because of fear. And just be obedient. If you step in the mud, who cares? It's really all God is asking us to do. Be obedient and go and make disciples of men, right? If love each other and raise each other up, we can sum it all up. Love God, be obedient to him, love each other and raise each other up. We're not to tear each other down. We are to build each other up, you guys. We're to clasp together, commit to each other, and do life together. And God will do the rest. We're wired to have relationships with each other and with other people. Would you, and that brings us to our last point, the cling. Naomi clung to, uh, Ruth claim, clung to Naomi. In Ruth 4, 13 through 17, it says, So Boaz took Ruth into his home, and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. The, then the woman of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord who has provided you a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. Here's another one of those prayers that were answered. They don't even realize. May your child be famous in all of Israel. You see, God restored Naomi's youth and cared for her in her old age for he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been more 
better to you than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him into her breast, and she cared for him as if he were her own. The neighborhood women said, now at last Naomi has a son again, and they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. That's King David, you guys. So because of Naomi's and Ruth's commitment and faithfulness to each other, their willingness to do life together, King David, right, and Jesus. Out of their lineage is the legacy of Jesus because of their obedience. Where is your disobedience hindering you in walking in the legacy of Jesus? You guys, you will never be fulfilled until you walk where God's asked you to walk. And we do that through relationships. We have to cling to each other and not let go. You guys, life is hard. We all know that. And we all have stuff. We all have reasons to be disqualified. But God does, those reasons don't matter. They don't matter. I think we become so religious that we think that we have to have it all put together. But the thing is, your brokenness is what leads to the restoration and the legacy. We don't want to be religious. We want to have relationship with Jesus. We want it to be real. You know, I I look at some of my family members, and it just my heart aches because I think they say there's a God, they know there's a God, but do they have relationship with him? Is it real for them? And I just, I long to see that they have intimacy with their Lord. Just like we sit here and we're sharing and we're being real today. I want each one out there to have that relationship, that type of intimacy with the Lord. If you're sitting here today and you're saying, I don't have that kind of relationship. With every head bow and every eye closed, I'd like to give you the opportunity you're going, I want to know that God. I want that relationship. I just, if you would raise your hand right now, I'd like to give you that opportunity and I'd, I'd like to lead you in that prayer. I see you. I see you. But more importantly, God sees you. You don't have to keep your hands raised. Guys, I don't want these people to pray alone. Can you guys pray with me? Father God, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Forgive me of the mistakes that I've made. I welcome Jesus into my life and into my heart. I believe your son died on the cross and rose on the third day and is now alive. From this day forward, I'll no longer be controlled by sin, but I will follow you all the days of my life. I'm now a Christian, saved by grace, through faith in Jesus name amen guys the first time I prayed that prayer with someone I was four years old it was my eight-year-old cousin doesn't matter who you are you can lead somebody to the Lord amen that eight-year-old cousin's the one that's been on my heart heavy right now because he's going through some heavy stuff and he's questioning is there really a God and I've just been praying God reveal yourself to him so just I 
I'm thankful for those hard times, though, because those are what leads us to that real relationship. We got all the ladies in the house got a bracelet this morning to symbolize our messages, magnets together. But more importantly, you got a jewel. I want you to pray about which lady you want to commit yourself to, which lady you want to be vulnerable with, whose life. For more information about Christian Faith Center, please visit experiencecfc.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you.